0: And we're going to pray together. Just, not that you need reminding, but prayer is not just words. It's an offering of the heart, mind, and soul to God. And that's all of us as we engage together. With that in mind, I'm going to read um, part of a psalm. Just listen to Psalm 67. Psalmist is taking the ancient blessing and as if he is blowing the dust of it and saying this is for us today. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us that your ways may be known on earth your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy for you rule the peoples justly and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. Then the land will yield its harvest and God, our God, will bless us. God will bless us and all the ends of the earth will revere him. It's a good psalm to lead us in prayer. Let's pray together. And Lord, we pray that you will come to us by your Holy Spirit and help us to engage heart, mind and soul as we quietly present ourselves to you. We ask that you would give us wisdom to perceive you, persistence, indeed diligence to seek you out, and patience to wait for you. And to a greater degree, a life that proclaims your love and declares your glory. And Lord, we have cause to remind ourselves as a community of people, not least this past week, of funerals that we've been to, and the frailty of human life. We know that life is very precious, and yet even today when we see the value of family, we are mindful of the gaps of loved ones no longer with us. Life being precious but far from permanent. And so we pray that you'll help us, spur us on the journey to know that God is the end of the journey. So we thank you with that confidence now that we can come in prayer and not to minimize those whom we know who have a real, almost tangible sense of loss having loved deeply, to grieve deeply. And Lord we come to you, you are the giver of all good things, and we celebrate today with a spirit of joy and thanksgiving. Bless your Church, the living Church of Jesus Christ throughout the world. And today as we think about our giving and we think of that remarkable country like Rwanda that has experienced such trauma that would beg a belief about man's inhumanity. And yet out of the ravages of human nature you continue to build your church. And we in this part of the world are blessed with so much and we thank you for our involvement thank you for involvement in giving in praying in sharing with your people throughout the world and so tonight we come to you we ask once more that we might find you in the whole of our experience that there may be a deeper courage that comes from facing our inner fears and a true healing that comes from using our wounds and a true light as we face our darkness and indeed Lord as we see the gift of life that true life that comes from embracing your death because death has been defeated and there is the triumph of the cross that is our constant hope our joy and our source of peace so we come to you and we ask that you will help us as we continue in our worship and for all the prevailing needs in the world in which we live, that you will give us eyes to see and a a mind to discern what the Spirit is saying to the churches in these days. Meet with us, Lord, as we give you thanks and we ask that your gracious Spirit would come again to enliven and quicken and enlarge our faith and clarify our vision and deepen our confidence that you truly are the God who is with us always. So we pray for the glory of your name. Amen. Amen.
1: Let's read, let's read from two Thessalonians. And uh, we'll read from that uh, wonderful description of God's grace to the Thessalonian believers in verse 13 of chapter 2 and then through to the prayer that Paul laid for them at the end of verse 5 of chapter 3. So 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 13 But we ought always to thank God for you brothers loved by the Lord because from the beginning God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our Gospel that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the teachings we passed on to you whether by word of mouth or by letter. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us, and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts, and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Finally, brothers, pray for us, that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored, just as it was with you. And pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not everyone has faith. But the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. Well, can I say what a joy it's been to be here today. Sam and me, back in Long almost like a second home to us in some ways I was here for Jeff's induction and this wonderful uh, new transformation of the building is almost a kind of parable a paradigm of what happened in the work here because I remember it in in those days and when I look at the church today and we see something of the way God has blessed you and is blessing you it's just thrilling and uh, encouraging for us and. We thank God for his goodness and love to you. Pray that there will be even greater days to come. And uh, with that thought in mind that uh, prayer that Paul uttered at the end of of the little section verses 1 to 5 in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 I think is very apposite and relevant. He prayed, may the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. Two hundred years ago Samuel Marsden preached the first gospel sermon in New Zealand. He preached at Christmas time in, in in the North Island, and his text was, Behold I bring you good tidings of great joy which will be to all peoples. And he followed the example of the Apostle Paul in in seeking to bring the gospel to people in in other parts of the world in in Paul's day of course New Zealand wouldn't have been known here in the West but it was in Marsden's day and he travelled the seas in order to bring the message of salvation to people down there in the southern hemisphere and he was following Paul's footsteps really in doing that although Paul never traveled as far, his journeys were arguably even more dangerous and uh, nevertheless he, he had this burning zeal to bring the message of salvation to people in his case in Asia Minor and in southern Europe as well as his own countrymen in Israel so Paul was an evangelist but also a church planter for him the word of the gospel and the formation of gospel churches those two things go together because God's purpose is to gather a people to him, a covenant people both in the universal sense and the local sense so the gospel message is to be seen visibly in church life and the existence of a Christian church such as this is itself a testimony to people in the neighborhood and our individual lives are of course none of us of course is an island, we appreciate that so although the grace of God is for us as individuals, nevertheless it produces churches. And we see that so eloquently here. Paul, as we saw in the preceding chapter, thanks God for his grace toward these Thessalonian believers. They'd known something of a mini-revival, because when Paul had come there to preach, something wonderful had happened. He talked about the word of the Lord running like fire, that had happened and he, he, wants, he wants that to happen more and more. Many people had come to know Christ through his ministry but because they had been brought into a church he urges them now to stand fast, to hold fast to the traditions which they have been taught. So the church has to be maintained in its witness and in its life and ministry. It needs to be protected. It needs to be safeguarded. It needs to be well taught. It needs the love of Christ. So that Paul has those two concerns, the gospel, the church. And you have it here as well in chapter 3, where he asks prayer for himself that the word of the Lord might continue to run rapidly and be honoured, just as it was in Thessalonica, That he and his colleagues may be delivered from wicked and evil men. That they might know God's friendship and God's fellowship and God's protection. And that uh, as a result, the church will be formed properly in in a disciplined, ordered way. So in the remaining verses in the chapter, verse 6 to the end, he speaks about church order, church life, church if you like and interrelationships within the church and you see what he's doing the gospel and the church they hang together but in order for that to happen something is critically important and it's morale how is our morale it's essential in an army that morale should be high And Paul is here in this verse, putting his finger on the need for morale. May the Lord direct your heart into God's love and Christ's perseverance. When I think of morale, I think of one of my great heroes, Ernest Shackleton. Ernest Shackleton led an expedition to the Antarctica in 1915 and 1916. But the ship, if you know the story, became ice icebound in one of the bitterest winters known in that part of the world and in the ice the ship really broke up and eventually sank and they had to leave the ship and make their way over ice flows and ice fields eventually across a little stretch of water to a place called Elephant Island and there They sought a place to land, there was only one place that was habitable, and they eventually landed there in this little boat that they'd been dragging along with them. George cared. And it was quite obvious to them that nobody was going to rescue them because nobody knew where they were. So Shackleton decided to take that little boat and to sail it across the tumultuous seas of their southern ocean to South Georgia however they got there defies imagination just a little group of them, the rest were left behind on Elephant Island and they made their way across to South Georgia, eventually landed there and then they had to cross the mountains snowcapped of course in order to get to a whaling station to to look for help and just a small group of men made that terrible journey across the mountains of South Georgia and eventually came to this whaling station and they were able to get a boat back to Elephant Island to rescue everybody who had remained there not a single person was lost. It's one of the great stories of endeavour and, and epic journeying. The essential thing in all of that was Morale. Shackleton had this wonderful ability to raise people's expectations and encourage them, give them new verve and vitality. He was a born leader. And morale is crucial in church life. There are two things that Paul tells us here are essential to it. The first is the love of God, and the second is the perseverance of Jesus Christ. I think of another of my heroes, Captain James Cook. Between 1772 and 1780, Captain Cook led two expeditions, two epic voyages of discovery, one to the north to discover hopefully a way through the north passage and one to the very southern hemisphere to discover what people believed was a lost continent, now we know it as Antarctica and these two journeys followed the first of his journeys between 1768 and 1771 when he came to New Zealand, circumnavigated New Zealand did a marvelous job at cartography there and he found a haven, a place to replenish energy and and vitality a place called Queen Charlotte Sound and on the subsequent two journeys they made for that particular place they rested there, they got refreshment there, supplies there they gained new energy for the ongoing journeys So in the deep waters of that marvelous place you can actually see the Southern Alps uh, from, from the Sound, it's a wonderful place today from the deep waters, or in the deep waters of that wonderful place they, they were able to find um, rest and refuge and strength and renewal for their further journeying I think Paul has something like that in mind here. May the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the perseverance of Christ. Like the deep waters of Queen Sound. these are two realities that we need to experience more and more. Now Paul, of course, will share praying that this might happen he could not achieve this himself this was not something that he could do by manipulation or by by teaching though he did teach and he did instruct and he did counsel that something more is needed may the Lord the Lord he wanted the Lord to do this and so he prays that the Lord might do it These two realities must be the greatest need of the Christian Church today and always in its ongoing history, to know more and more the love of God, more and more the perseverance of Jesus Christ. Just think of the love of God for a moment or two. Think of it as the great fountainhead of our salvation. At first, when we become Christians, we are rightly, I think, taken up with the blessings of salvation, forgiveness of our sins, peace with God, the robes of righteousness, the feast, and so on. Later, we begin to think more and more of the love, the powerful, invincible love of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, that brought this to us. The outflowing, overflowing, undiminished love of God. There is nothing to compare with it. The Apostle John speaks about its nature. He says, In this is love. Now, if you were to be asked to define the love of God, what would you say? John's answer is crystal clear In this is love, not that we love God. But that he loved us and gave his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That's the love of God. That's where we see the love of God. God propitiating his own anger against our sin. Himself in the death of his own beloved son. This is very special love. And it's the love that propitiates his own anger. And as a result of doing that. Redeems us. So, propitiation is the love of God in his own being. Redemption is the love of God to us. It's that kind of love that uh, Paul is speaking of here. Think of its astonishing greatness. You cannot go back far enough to read it, you cannot go on forward enough to see it. You cannot go. To the east or to the west, far enough to discover its length and breadth. You cannot go deep enough to discover its depth. You cannot go high enough to see its height. Paul prays that the Ephesians might know these dimensions of God's love more and more in their fullness and in their wonderful freeness. It's that kind of love which is why Isaac Watts was right to say when I survey the wondrous cross not just an occasional glance when I survey begin to realize what love has done what love is this and it never changes unlike our love which is fickle it never changes it's the same today as it was yesterday it will be the same tomorrow tomorrow He will love us forever, and ever, and ever. When we were dead in trespasses and sins, he loved us. When we were hostile and hateful, he loved us. He doesn't give up on us when we are sickle and fail. When he rebukes us, he does so in love. His love never changes. And it's always present, wherever you are. Whatever your circumstances He loves you You go home perhaps alone The loved one has been taken away You go to work alone You walk through valleys And you think you're alone The valley of humiliation The valley of the shadow of death But you're not This love Will not let you go it's absolutely wonderful to know that and it's love for the unlovely it's love for the undeserving it's what we call grace scarcely for a righteous man would one die, says Paul yet some might even die for a good man but God commends his love to us in that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us there is no love to compare with that no way the love that takes you from hell to
0: heaven.
1: What love is this? Now God can lead us deeper and deeper into his love. We can know it more and more. The hymn writer wrote, Although I cannot sing or tell or know the fullness of your love while you below, my empty vessel I may freely Bring. Oh, thou who art of love the living spring, my vessel. Phew! Isn't that amazing? That I think of eternity. Jeff, he thanks in his prayer for the wonderful fact that our God is the end of the journey. And it will be the love of God, overwhelming oh, us, that will fill our hearts with everlasting praise. That's what the church needs most of all. May the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God. This strong, tough, gentle, compassionate, tender love. And then he he prays that they might also be led into the perseverance of Christ or the patience of Christ. Perseverance it is really. And if you think of the perseverance of Christ, you have uh, something else that is so, so necessary, isn't, isn't it? Think of, think of his perseverance in, in redeeming us. There he was as a young child, subject to Mary and Joseph. He didn't demur, he didn't protest, he submitted to them. Think of him as a young man, knowing why he'd come into the world, preparing himself for that great conflict. And for that ministry, that astonishing three year ministry in which he contended with the devil, healed the sick, raised the dead, brought compassion and love and healing to thousands of people, touching lepers, and then going to that terrible, cursed death upon the cross. He knew that was his mission. He knew why he'd come. Even at the age of 12, he knew that. Didn't you know that I must be a father? He said to Mary and Joseph when they found him in the temple, not knowing where he was, I'm at Father's. There's nothing in the original text to say it was the Father's house or the Father's business. I'm at Father's. He knew who his Father was. He knew why he'd come to do his Father's will. Like a lamb, he went to the slaughter and gave his back to the smiters and took the cursed death of the cross upon himself and our sins with it and the holy anger of God upon himself for our redemption his perseverance, like a flint he set his face to Jerusalem, and not just that but think of his inward perseverance think of the, the total self control in our Lord's life here, they provoked him, they reviled him They did everything they could to cause him to sin but when reviled he reviled not again he suffered he entrusted himself to his heavenly father. He felt the evil of mankind more than you and I will ever feel it because of his perfection and yet he was calm and serene in meeting sin head on and in dealing with sinners and redeeming them. He could have summoned angels but didn't he cried out Father forgive them they don't know what they're doing his inward self-control and what about his perseverance with us he puts up with our foibles our mistakes our sins our failures when we wouldn't come to him and didn't come to him he didn't disown us We've rejected him perhaps since, even fallen away from our first confession of faith, has he written us off? Maybe we've even denied him, certainly distrusted him, forgotten him many times, but he perseveres. with us. We can only persevere ourselves because of his perseverance with us. And so he goes on and on, determined to bring us to glory. This is the kind of perseverance that Paul wants believers to have, the perseverance of Christ. And we can know it more and more. It's depth, it's wonder, it's splendor. So here is the place where we find new resources, new energy, new supplies of grace to help us whether in conflict, whether in danger, whether in loneliness, whether in bereavement, whether in sickness, whatever. The love of God, the perseverance of Jesus Christ. And what I love about that, that story of Captain Cook and Queen Charlotte's Sound is that they went there not only to, to find the refreshment and renewal and resources from that area but they discovered that living there for a short time, they weren't there very long the atmosphere of that place got into them they breathed that fresh air in they enjoyed their environment they found that the very things that they were entering into were entering into them and there's a wonderful way in which this also happens to us as we enter into the love of God and into the perseverance of Christ so these two realities enter us the love of God becomes what Jonathan Edwards called an affection a settled disposition it's a way of living it's a way of thinking, it's a way of behaving it's what the Christian now is and we cease to be busy bodies and we become busy we see criticizing and we begin to support and, be, and, and 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 encourage each other. It strengthens us, inspires us, enlivens us, renews us, invigorates us, constrains us, drives us, galvanizes us for action, gives us holy desires, new energy, new power, new vitality, new hope. New desire that God might be glorified and the perseverance of Christ well that enables us to go on going on I recently had a letter from a dear brother a pastor now locked into a body that doesn't work his mind is sharp as a razor but his body just doesn't work and he wrote me this letter, a lovely letter and at the end he said keep on going on could I recommend a book at this point Jim Packer has written a lovely little book, recently published, about the Christian in retirement, the Christian towards the end of, of working life, finishing our course with joy, he calls it. And uh, the point he's making in the book is, so long as we have our faculties and are with it, there, is still thing, there are still things for us to do, there, there is still service. There are still people to love. There is still ministry to perform. There are still functions in the church that need to be attended to. We still have a ministry. It's a very helpful little book. It may be that sometimes we have to endure pain and hardship and live with it. Disappointment, loneliness, anxiety. Well, the Lord will enable us to persevere. Maybe we need to forbear with people and forgive each other and trust each other more and hope in God more. Well, the Lord will enable us to persevere. With vision ever clear, says one of our hymns. With vision ever clear, with love to persevere, with grace to persevere, O Lord, provide me. Moral. Crucial crucial in church life and the place to regain morale, the place to have morale the place to seek a renewed commitment to the Lord's, Lord's cause and the Lord's work is in prayer which is why Paul prayed may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the perseverance of Jesus Christ and I can't think of a better thing for a church to pray for than that well let's pray Father it's so wonderful that you have loved us everlastingly long before we were even born that you love us today despite our weaknesses that you will love us forever in Christ And that this love has come to us through the Holy Spirit, shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. It's wonderful that our Lord Jesus set his face like a flint to Jerusalem and finished the work you gave him to do. And we pray that we may know more and more of your love, more and more of that perseverance in our lives as individuals and as a church. So that people... Around us, our friends, our colleagues, our neighbors, people in the vicinity may realize that the realities of God's love and God's grace and the perseverance of Jesus Christ are actually seen here in our lives visibly, so that we are a letter from God written by the Holy Spirit, and people can read it, and people can see beyond us to the one who inspires every virtue, every grace. You are a gracious God, and you give what you command. We pray that you will grant us more and more of these two blessings, more and more of yourself, Lord. More and more of yourself is what we need. We pray that you will come to us in new ways, refreshing ways, And may the world around us come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We pray in his name. Amen. Let's say the grace together. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.